Welcome once again, everybody. The podcast is underway. Mike Claiborne here on ClaibsOnline.com, and we're going to have some fun today because we're going to talk to one of our favorites. He is Dr. Rick Lehman, and if you don't know Dr. Rick Lehman, then you don't know good people because he's been in the sports business for over 30 years. He's been uh, part of ownership groups. He's been the team physician. He's done a lot of things in the world of sports, but he's a smart guy. And we're going to visit with him. And first of all, Rick, it's great to have you. We've done this before, but we're having even more fun these days. How's everything with you? Mike, thanks for having me. And uh, everything is good. You know, we're kind of going through a, a weird time, which everybody's going through. And this is no different. Medicine's no different. So I, that's a good point to start off with. Uh, in your business of medicine, and you've been in the business, as I said, for over 30 years, and you worked on some of the best athletes in the world uh, how much has it changed your business and how you approach it? Obviously, uh, surgeries were not uh, as, as rev- relevant as they were at one point. But how have things changed for you and what do you see for the future? Well, you know, it's interesting. So much has changed in such a short time. And I think a lot of people could say that. Number one, in the 34 years I've been doing this, I used to look out at the waiting room and there'd be 30, 35 people in the waiting room everybody waiting to get in and people talking and people bringing their lunch. And now we can't have any more than two or three people. So what do we have? We have everybody sitting in their car, which is okay now, but it's not going to be okay in July. So that's one thing. We can't have as many staff because everybody has to be five, six feet apart. And everyone's wearing a mask, which is very impersonal. In my opinion, I'm wearing gloves 24 seven. I'm not allowed to wear a tie. I have to wear scrubs. So everybody's dressed a little bit different and the staff have hats on and they're surgical hats. They're not cool hats. So a lot of things have changed, but I think the thing that's happened the most is this has become very, very impersonal. Like I said, number one, and I, I think in the future, we're going to see this change forever. I don't think you're going to see people that might be sick congregating in a doctor's office. So if you go to a doctor and internist and four or five people might have a virus, everyone's not going to want to be sitting in that same waiting room or in that same office. And I think we're going to see medical distancing like we've never seen before. Curbside service is going to have a whole new meaning before this is over with. (laughs) No doubt. And, and, you know, I think we're going to go back to having specialized areas in the office where people might be sick. I think everyone's going to have a COVID status. I can see in the next four to six months, certainly if you're going to have a surgery, you know, we're going to want to know if you're COVID positive or COVID negative, and then we're going to want to know if you're active or not active. So everyone's going to have a COVID status. And that may also be the case for airlines, by the way. And I think we're going to also be very, very selective in terms of surgeries. Not that we're not going to do them, but people that need a certain surgery, i.e. Tommy John surgery, ACL, are going to go to the front of the list. And people with chronic problems are going to go to the back of the a little bit and have to wait and and based on that i think you're going to need to get into your doctor early and kind of get your place in line because i can see things being very very backed up for the next six to nine months you know you know one of the other things that comes into play here is we, we talk so much about social distancing and spacing and i thought at one point when this whole thing unfolded and they sent everybody to home to work from home that commercial real estate would have a problem because, you know, these companies say, well, wait a minute, you know, I can save money. I don't need as much space because I don't have as many people here. But now with social distancing and the spacing, some people are going to need more space to accommodate their clients, their customers, their patients. 
There's no doubt. And, and you know, my, my neighbor's a big guy at Enterprise, and they're retooling everything because they're putting the desk further apart. They're changing the hallways. They're making sure that people don't interact, et cetera, which is the exact opposite that normally you would want. You want everyone to interact, but now that's all changed, and you're 100% right. A lot of these companies are going to take out half of the desk, half of the offices, and change the hallway patterns. They're going to make the hallways one way. They're adding sinks, which are very expensive, and you're seeing all these different stations now that either have masks, PPE, and different articles to make these office areas safe. So you're you're 200% right. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on. Spring has obviously sprung, and there are a lot of things that are starting to open up. When you look at what's going on now, what are you seeing a lot of with respect to surgeries that are going to be needed or certainly going to be popular once we once we get under a little bit more of a full steam? Well, you got two things going on. Hopefully, you know, maybe not in the major league level, but hopefully baseball gets started. That's going to be college baseball. That's going to be high school baseball, et cetera. And I think with limited off-season workouts and kids not really conditioning like they used to and getting ready for baseball, I think the number of Tommy John surgeries is going to go through the roof. And I can see that already when kids are starting to get back. You're not really going to have their normal uh, entry into the season, and boom, we're going to see kids overthrowing, uh, overusing their elbows. So I think you're going to see a high incidence of Tommy John and shoulder injuries for that problem. And the other thing is I think everyone's going to be so happy about getting out, whether it's golf or running, et cetera, getting outside. I think you're going to see a whole lot of meniscal injuries. Guys are going to be so happy to be jogging or so happy to be working out. And the next thing you're going to see is people tearing the meniscus, knee injuries. And I think those are going to go through the roof as well. You know, that's a great point you make. I was going to ask you about the first-timers who want to get out. Give me some suggestions (laughs) on what people need to be conscious of before they get out and, and before they know it, they've overdone it. Give me some common things that they can do to help prevent that and, and maybe prolong the injury that's going to put them back on the shelf for a while. You know, it's a great question, Mike. And the first thing is everyone's kind of in a funk, right? We're used to sitting around. We're watching CNN. Everybody's a little depressed. And then all of a sudden, boom, the economy opens up, the world opens up, everybody's outside. So while you're in, inside, and while you're being a little depressed, get a little undepressed and start working out. And everybody should be working out at least 45 minutes to an hour a day. And there's all kinds of stuff you can do at home. You can do wall sits. You can do push-ups. You can do body weight exercises. You can go on the Internet, and you can get a 30-minute workout that will just kick your butt. So everybody who's anticipating getting outside, and it could be, like I said, golf. It could be any sport, softball. It doesn't make any difference. Really start your workout. Now, your already should have started your workout, but start your workout now. Number two, change your diet. And Mike, you're a big proponent of this. You've lost a ton of weight. You look great. You work out like a fiend. So eat right. Quit eating junk. Bump your protein way up. Bump your carbs down, carbs down in the anticipation of getting outside and trying to get fit. And then lastly, you got to do a little bit of cardio. And again, you can do all these things at home. You don't need any special equipment. And I would tell you, there are these... Uh, programs or apps called HIT, H-I-T, high-intensity workout, high-intensity training. And in 10 or 15 minutes, they'll have your heart racing so bad you want to kill yourself. So I would <laughs> tell everybody who's going to go and get ready to be outside, you know, get on the Internet, get these programs, get in your living room, get in your bedroom, get in your basement, and start working out. 
Even if you have a dog that wants to interrupt you as you try and do your your, your lower core work, <laughs> as I'm learning That's firsthand. Right. Hey, you know, one of the things that I'm hearing more of is when people, because they've been shut in for so long, they want to get and need to get vitamin D. Talk a little bit about the importance of vitamin D, especially at this time of the year where we're starting to all get back out. And maybe it'll clear up long enough where the sun will even pop out. So that's a good point. That's a really good point. So there's two two issues here. One issue is everybody with the COVID virus, and again, everybody has been found to be vitamin D deficient. So one of the things you can do to help yourself, and we can talk about some other things to help yourself, but clearly vitamin D is a big deal. And if you're vitamin D deficient, the virus has a much easier time getting into the cell. So you can protect yourself against the virus by bumping up your vitamin D content. Number two, how do you get vitamin D? You go outside. Sunshine is the key to building your vitamin D. So everybody needs to get outside, go for a walk. Again, you hit it on the head, wait till the sun's shining. And that, that sunshine is going to convert to vitamin D and it's going to make you much healthier. So A, you're outside, you're bumping up your vitamin D stores because when you've been inside all this time, and you've been social distancing and sheltering in place and doing all this stuff, you've limited your outside exposure, plus it's been winter. So now it's time to get outside and get your vitamin D back up to snuff. And I think a lot of people right now, if you took their blood levels, would be very, very vitamin D deficient. You, you know, with that said, I know like when you're in the submarine service and you're underwater, you know, they have the lamps and everything like this. And I know people used to go get tanned, but you really need to have the actual sunlight because lamps and things of that nature. I'm not sure. And, you know, better than I do really doesn't do the trick. Maybe it stimulates the body a bit, but it doesn't really give you what you need, I would think. That's correct. I mean, you can sit underneath your sun lamp. Or you can go turn all the lights on in your bathroom and stand there if you want. <laughs> but but that isn't going to get it. you got to get outside, and you need the natural uh, radiation component of sunlight, true sunlight, to convert to vitamin D. And, again, they've done some studies, and they're showing that really as a nation and maybe as a world, we're vitamin D deficient severely. And, again, that does predispose you to get the virus and be sicker with the virus. So if you can, when that sun comes out, you need to be outside. And, you know, you don't need to. I would tell you to walk and get a little exercise, but you can just sit on your patio and go get a suntan or just let the, the sun get all over your body for half an hour, an hour, and that's going to do wonders for your health. You know, one of the things that we're learning, and this has been the biggest study uh, science has ever had because it's affected so many people and so many things we can that can be derived from it. But one of the things when I look at, and certainly the, the mental impact that it's having not only on adults because of the stress and being cooped up but what about kids and the fact that you know they're being homeschooled they're confined to the house and they're not playing sports and not growing physically like they would hope to and certainly be expected to what's the impact we're going to see on them because are we going to see more kids walk away from sports because they haven't done it enough and will they find something else to do or what's going to be important here once we are able to get out and be more active you know, it's a good point, and I think we're going to see a high incidence of kids dropping out of sports. You know, I talk to kids, and a lot of them are sitting on the couch playing Fortnite all day, and they've kind of blown off their sport. You know, they're they're not all excited about playing baseball because they don't know if they're going to play baseball. They've been taking classes online, Zoom classes so long, they don't even know what the inside of the school looks like. 
And so a lot of kids, you know, have kind of given up. And I think the parents are in such a bad state right now. You know, they've made some of them lost their jobs. They're concerned about maybe grandpa who may have the virus is also socially isolated. And the kids are taking kind of a backseat a little bit and they're not really getting the attention they need. And really no one wants to talk to them about what's going on. So I think it really is important to parents to step up and say, Hey, listen, baseball is going to start. Football is going to start as it always does July, August. And these are the things you have to look forward to. Let's start getting into condition. You know, let's start talking about the baseball season. And when your kids have questions about the virus, what's going on in the world, you need to talk to them. Don't shy away from it. You know, face the problem head on and, and discuss it with them because they have legitimate questions. And I think if we don't do this, we're going to see kids that are attracted, that have pulled away from society, that have kind of gotten introspective and they're going to play more video games. They're going to be less active. They're going to be more likely to gain weight. And I can see a lot of kids just walking away from just a healthy high school sports environment. Dr. Rick Lehman is our guest here on the podcast on ClavesOnline.com. You know, that's a great point you make. But here's where I think the, the disconnect is. Parents have so much on their minds, whether it's the job or maybe having to find one, dealing with kids, homeschooling. And I think more than anything else, when they run across this dilemma of the inactivity of their kids, I'm not sure if they know what the answer is because we've never experienced anything like this. And they may be more confused and don't have an answer. Hence, they don't say much because they don't know what to say. And I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think they don't know what to say. And I think what they refer to is not saying anything. And I think the least they need to do is it, it, it tell their kids everything's going to be okay, support them, you know, give them a pep talk. We're going to get through this. Things like this have happened before, even though that's not really true. And at least give them the, the bright side. We're going to get to the other end of this. And in a year, we're going to look back and say, hey, that was kind of a weird time. It's like the twilight zone. But I also think you're right. I think parents are going through something they've never been through before as well. Economy's crashing. A lot of them have lost their jobs. They've been furloughed. They don't know if they're going to come back to that job. They don't know if they're going to be able to get a job. And there's a lot of issues. They've got to feed their family. And the last thing they really feel like doing is sitting and talking to their 14-year-old about the ills of not playing sports. So I, I couldn't agree more. But I think it is important to try to discuss this with your kids because you don't want to add another issue, which is a lot of kids saying, hey, I don't want to go back to school. I'll just continue online. Or a lot of kids who had a lot of promise saying, I don't want to go back to gymnastics. I don't want to go back to baseball. And I'm just going to play video games because that's what I've been doing for the last two and a half months. And inactivity breeds inactivity. So it's important for the parents and the siblings and the teachers to really try to give these kids a pep talk and give them the bright side, give them the other side of the coin. Hey, this is what's going to happen, and you need to be prepared. Munganass St. Louis Acura would like to extend a huge thank you to our healthcare workers and first responders by offering them several service specials, including a free interior detail cleaning. You can call them today to make your appointment and let them help you while you are helping our community. Find them online at stlouisacura.com or give them a call 314-822-2872 for Munganass St. Louis Acura. 
We love talking to the president and chairman of Ameren, Illinois. He is Richard Mark. Emergency Operations Center acts as kind of a central command center, and everything is dictated from there. They tell the crews that are out in the field where to go, where the main breakers are to go to to de-energize the line, and then they verify that that line is closed, and they're able to tell five, six, seven hundred people that are working out in the field exactly where to go to make the proper repairs to get our system back on in a storm situation. You know, one of the things that we're starting to see and hear more of is the impact that COVID has had on sports and and certainly the business of sport and and more than anything else, the college sports, because um, these athletic departments, they thrive on what the football and the basketball teams can do for their university and paying the bills for some of the what they call Olympic sports. There are some schools that have already raised the white flag and saying we can't do this anymore because, A, we don't have students here. B, we're going to be given some refunds because I'm sure somebody's going to sue a school and say, I want my money back because my kid didn't room and board there. So talk a little bit, if we, if we can, about the impact it's going to have, not on football and basketball, and we'll talk about that in a second, but the other sports that kids are still involved in, maybe not the high profile, but certainly something that is a reason for them to be in school when it comes to athletics. You know, I think a couple things are going to happen. Number one, I think you're going to see a little drying up, especially in men's sports, because the women will have Title IX, but in the men's sports you're going to see a drying up of scholarships. So wrestling scholarships, soccer scholarships, some of, like you said, not the big money sports, tennis, golf, et cetera, those sports that are a little bit of a financial drain on these schools, they're not going to be able to pay the freight, and you're going to see those scholarships start to dry up, which is a shame because that rounds out a sports program. Temple's already lost seven sports. University of Cincinnati's dropping soccer, and this is going on all over the country. Schools are realizing that they don't have the budget to keep these sports alive. So I think that's a big problem. The second thing I think you're seeing, and, and, and I've talked to a number of athletic directors, they don't know if they're going to have any kids in August. And some of the schools say, hey, we're going to play football regardless, but that's not the case. So if a lot of these schools, Boston College, VU, a number of schools have already said, hey, we're not opening in August, they're not going to have any fall sports because they're not going to have any students. And I think that also is going to be a big financial drain. Now, the football programs will weather this, but these secondary programs, like you said, the Olympic sports, non-monetary sports, are not going to be able to weather this. And you're right. You know, water polo at uh, Pepperdine and UCLA is probably not a problem. But I can see some of these schools that don't have big football programs, that don't have tons and tons of rich alumni dropping a lot of these sports. And these are, these are scholarships that lots and lots of kids depend on. What about the, uh, the notion... And I heard Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, make the point that he said, if we can't make it safe for the fans, why are we putting the kids on the field? Because there, there's something that's really tricky here, and that is the fact that if they put kids on the field with no fans, all of a sudden they become professionals, and then the NCAA has got a bigger problem to deal with because it, it's coming where they're going to have to eventually pay more than what they said they were going to do initially. But where is that going to take things? I think, you know, you asked a good question before, and that is how's medicine changed forever? And I would ask you how's sports changed forever? So I think the days of sitting next to some guy with his nachos and a beer that you don't know at Bush Stadium are over. I, I don't see that. Now, maybe in a couple of years, two, three years, when this whole thing passes over and 
Maybe people have short memories. We get back to that. But I think in terms of NCAA sports, you know, a stadium that holds 90,000 people at the University of Michigan, you're going to see 20,000 people. And they're going to have to social distance both people beside you and people behind you. The virus doesn't know it's not supposed to go back and forth along the rows. So it's not smart enough. So you're going to have to move people in such a way that families and, and people, individuals, are probably six, eight feet apart. It means taking away just a lot of numbers. And I think going back to sports, much like the PGA and the NBA is talking about, I think you're going to see sporting events, UFC, UFC, where there aren't any fans. Now, to me, sports without fans, I, I don't get it because I think that's what sports are for. They're for the fans, they're for the little kids, they're for enjoyment, it's entertainment. And I think just to watch it on TV, this is just my opinion, would lose just a lot of heart and a lot of traction for me. But I think NCAA sports stand to really be in trouble if they're going to pull all the fans and just send those kids, like you said, back on the field as pro athletes. And that's what they'd be at that point. With, with that said, when you look at how they set things up, the, the one thing we keep coming back to is testing, testing, testing. I'm of the belief that if you want to try and bring fans back, you have to set up a testing program that's quick and immediate that when they come to the facility or they've already gone to an official testing center, that they, they're certified. They've got a card in their pocket like a driver's license that they can show that says this you were tested within this period of time and you are allowed to come in or you have a family set zone or you space it out a little bit more. But then even in that case, you're giving away too many empty seats and now all of a sudden it doesn't match up as far as what your revenue should be. But I think this whole thing is predicated on testing. What are you hearing with regard to a, an affordable, universal testing program that can get people to and from events like sports? Well, I think that's a good point. That also gets back to surgeries and it gets back to flying an airplane and going to shopping malls and a lot of things. So I think there, there's a number of tests that have come out that have failed. There was a pinprick test that failed. So there's been a lot of tests that failed. And there's a test coming out June 1st from the University of Pennsylvania, which is going to be a buckle swab. So you stick a little Q-tip in your mouth and you kind of swab it. Now, the test now sticks this thing in your nose, and apparently it's just miserable. It almost goes all the way to your brain, and it's just apparently terrible. So that's not going to work. But I think you're right. I think what's going to have to happen to go into a Costco or a Schnucks you're going to have to have a little card and it's going to be kind of new to everybody until we get used to it. And it's going to have your COVID status. And if you're COVID negative, you're fine. If you're COVID positive and you're active, they're not going to let you in. And that's going to be Bush stadium. And that's going to be every venue around the country. And so you're going to have to keep your, your, your status up to date. And I think what will happen is I think you'll be able to buy these tests online. It's going to be 30, 40 bucks which is a lot of money for a lot of people, but if they're going to want to go to events, that concerts are the same. Um, you're going to have to have that status or they're not going to let you in. Now, I think as the bulk of these tests become more prevalent, I think the price will go down. Right now it's about, like I said, 30, 35 bucks, but you're going to see a number of tests and over the next four to six months, they're going to get better. The new test that's about to come out from the University of Pennsylvania apparently has about a 92% efficiency, which is pretty good. It's not 100%, but it's pretty good. But you get the answer in about four or five minutes, number one. And like I said, you just put a little Q-tip in your mouth, 
and I think everyone can tolerate that. Yeah, touching my brain, well, if they can find it, is not a good idea. <laughs> so this Q-tip thing is right up my alley. Hey, you know, uh, as we've seen so much unfold since the first positive test, uh, there have been a lot of rumors, a lot of misinformation, a lot of things that we have learned later hasn't necessarily been the truth. For you and how you followed this uh, since the outbreak, what have you been able to determine that's a uh, fact opposed to myth? First of all, I, I think that there's been a lot of misinformation out there, and, and, it, and it, it changes every day because new information is coming every day. And I think the, the real lesson to be learned is if this isn't about social distancing and this isn't about people staying away from the world. This is about self-health. So what can you do to, 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 to fix this problem for yourself personally? You know, what's the, what's the truth and what's the myth? And the myth is that you're going to be able to stay in your house, avoid everybody, and that this virus is going to go away and never come back. And just like Cinderella, we're going to come out on the other end and everything's fine. And that's just not the way this is going to go. The way this is going to go is we've repressed the curve a little bit because we've done something we've never done. We, didn't, we, we tried to limit everybody's exposure. And we didn't do a very good job, right, because over a million Americans have it and 80,000 people have already died. And so what we're doing, you know, just to be 100% honest, isn't really working all that well. So what's the fact? The fact is what you can do, what Rick Levy can do, what Mike Claiborne can do, and everybody else can do, is make themselves healthy. And how do you do that? Number one, you take a lot of zinc. Number two, you probably want to try to get something called colloidal silver. You get on the internet, it's not expensive. Number three, a little bit of vitamin C. Number four, you want to eat healthy. You want to keep your weight down. If you do have diabetes, take your medicine. If you have high blood pressure, take your medicine. So the better your immune system is, and, and, and that's a personal thing, the better you're going to be able to cope with the virus. And I think that's what's going to, that's the fact that's going to come out on the other end of all this. And I think the idea that you can just stay away from everybody who, who has this virus when over a million, 1.2 million, and probably really four or five million people have it is not logical because if you go to the store or you go anywhere, when every, when, when you, when the environment opens up, and that could be the beach, that could be the mall, that could be a school. Someone's going to have a virus. It's got to happen. And when that happens, whether you get it or not, or you get sick or not, it's going to depend on your immunity. So I would tell everybody out there, work on your own immunity, and you're going to be safe. Rick Lehman, before we let you go, um, you touched on something earlier about surgeries and how the dynamic of that is going to change. Whether they come to see you or their own personal physician, uh, one thing I would assume they're going to need to bring to the doctor's office is patience because it seems like this is going to be a little bit more prolonged. And as you mentioned, the surgery list and the wait list might be expanded. So give our listeners an idea of what they should expect should they choose to go see a doctor. And I know some people have elected to take a pass on going anywhere near a medical facility, but at some point they might have to. So what are some of the things they need to be aware of? Well, you know, you, you touched on one thing, and I want to talk about it for a second, and then I'll answer your question. If you're home, and I know, and you're right, people are so afraid to go to emergency rooms, hospitals, etc. But if you're having chest pain, or you're having terrible abdominal pain, or horrible headaches, or anything 
that just doesn't seem like it's letting up, go to the ER. The ERs are empty. Everyone's afraid to go. They don't want to get anywhere near a hospital, like you said, or a medical facility. But we're seeing all these stories about people having strokes and heart attacks at home and dying. So, you know what? It's a lot safer to get the virus and get over the virus than to die of a heart attack at home. Having said that, you're right. I mean, now we have three people in the waiting room, and now we got the other 30 people in their cars waiting to be seen. So you're going to have to show some patience going not just to Rick Lehman, but any doctor. And the wait time might be longer, just like if you go to Costco and you got to get in that long line to get in because they're not going to let you congregate. And the, the whole process is going to take a little bit longer. People are going to take your temperature. They're going to ask you questions. They're going to want to make sure you're not actively sick. The wait time for surgery is probably tripled than what it was before this whole thing started. So be patient. And I think that when everything opens up and everyone's calling their doctor now saying, I need my checkup, I need my colonoscopy, I need my teeth fixed, et cetera, I, I think you're going to find that it's not going to be that easy to get an appointment. So I would try to jump on that train a little bit, make your calls, you know, and be ready to be told it's going to be four to six weeks. Now, if you have an emergency, treat that emergency and be aggressive. But otherwise, I think you're going to see medical facilities way, way overstressed and backed up, especially good ones. Um, it sounds like you're going to need a bigger parking lot also. <laughs> I, th- I think that's well, also you know, big, bigger waiting room, bigger parking lot. You know, I think I, I feel bad for people because, you know, now we have all these phone numbers and people are in their car reading or they're sitting outside or, and, and you know, it used to be you waited in the waiting room and, you know, you, you kind of, talk to people and there was a little interaction and all kinds of stuff to read on the walls and cool stuff. And now everybody's sitting in their vehicle and I, I just feel terrible, but I just don't think it could be any other way until everybody gets over the fear and kind of the law and the rules change. And you are an advocate of wearing a mask uh, when you're out in public. I think you got to wear a mask. Two things. When you take the mask off, take it off via your ears. Don't put your hand right in the middle of the mask Mm -hmm. because you've kind of defeated the whole process of wearing the mask. And number two, try to change your mask if you can every couple days. You don't have to change it every day. And if if you're kind of come in contact with somebody, you know, you're walking one way and they're walking towards you, it's not that terrible. You may not have to go cross the street, but turn away from them. I mean, that's that's a simple thing to do turn away from them so they're not coughing right in your face or blowing that air right in your face. And that's probably one of the most logical, easiest things to keep you safe. And then, of course, you're sick of hearing this, but wash your hands. Somebody told me he's washed his hands so much he saw a a stamp from a club he was in two years ago that finally surfaced on his skin. So. I'm not I'm not going to tell you what club it was, but I think, you know, if you know anything about certain clubs, you know where I'm talking about. But uh, it, it's it's a good thing to do. Obviously, we were told that as kids. Now we we're told that as adults. So somewhere along the way, some of us weren't listening when we were children. But now we have no choice. No, I agree. And I think it's a simple thing to do. It'll keep you safe. You shouldn't need to be told to wash your hands. But, yes, it's a lesson learned. And you want to do it often. And you want to do it as frequently as possible because that will keep you out of trouble. And the other thing you want to do, which is hard, is not touch your face. 
So the average person touches their face about 20 times a minute, and you need to kind of remember, don't touch your face. Your face is off limits. All right. Some good advice from Dr. Rick Lehman. Hey, thank you so much. We'll do this again very soon. Uh, I know that people love listening to you uh, give advice, and they can hear it right here on ClavesOnline.com. He's Dr. Rick Lehman. I'm Mike Claiborne. We thank you for listening to another edition of the podcast here on ClavesOnline.com. Are you in the market to purchase a new or used vehicle? Munganass St. Louis Acura is here to help. Check out all of their inventory at stlouisacura.com. They'll bring the car to you, and they can also complete the entire process without you having to leave your home. Contact them today at stlouisacura.com.